on the air. Today, our guest is the wonderful author Amy Peel, whose book Hold is just coming out, and she is also the author of two previous books, Cut and Match. Welcome, Amy. Well, thank you for having me, Millie. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you, and tell us all about Hold. I loved reading it, but I want our viewers to learn about it, too. Sure. It's the third book. I'll just show you in the trilogy, Hold, and the first two cut and match. And it hails from a 35-year um, career I had in organ transplantation. And I decided after I retired that I would kill the people I didn't like at work because <laughs> I could fictionally. And then why waste the kill? So I would use their organs for transplant if I needed. So that was part of the... Part of the whole trilogy is that there's two best friends and they're nurses and they get themselves in a bind and they're pretty funny. And Hold is the third in the series where these two best friends finally get to go on a trip to Cuba together, which they had started to plan in book one. I so love Sarah and Jackie. They were a riot. They are a kick. And I'm a nurse by training. I've been a nurse almost, almost 50 years. And um, so I fashioned both of them after a composite of friends that I've kept still and see from nursing school and other things. But hold is about what if we could just have a recipient take of an organ, take one pill and never have to take another pill because the anti-rejection drugs are pretty heavy duty and they're not cheap. Mm -hmm. But who wouldn't want that to happen? Big pharma, right. because it's a billion dollar you know, industry and venture capitalists. So, so the story begins in hold and takes you on quite a bit of a ride um, to figure out um, why in the first, very first chapter, I'm not giving anything away, the four prominent immunologists in the world uh, are killed in a car accident. And oh. they're the ones who had this potentially uh, wonderful invention or discovery uh, that could have made maybe made that happen. So, so the story starts to go. And as you said, Jackie and Sarah are ridiculous. And uh, Sarah is a transplant manager, and Jackie is a um, stay-at-home mom, has a son, and her wife's assistant medical examiner, Laura. So these two take you on quite the ride. <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah, they do. I mean, you. I'm grateful you read it. I don't know if you have specific questions, but I. Oh, I do. Um, yeah, I, I, it's so there, it part of it is a, a kind of a mirror of what's important to me: transplant, friendships, you know, being of service. Um, and there is a lot of ridiculous humor and and uh, in it because I like humor. And uh, I studied at Second City um, for a year and graduated in uh, improv on stage before I moved to the West Coast. So it's kind of like a composite of my favorite things in the book but then wrapped in a mystery um, and some traveling. Well, and some pretty serious crime as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, they're, they're, Victor is just, uh, tell us about Victor. Well, Victor, you think, gosh, you know, I don't really like Victor. Um, he's not a nice guy. And um, he's very, uh, he's, it's greed, it's greed driven. Very handsome fella, very smart fella, um, but he is kind of, um, 
You know, he's got the inside into the world of transplants with the surgeons in the pharmaceutical industries, and he plays it well, but he also plays way outside the bounds and potentially, I don't want to give anything away, could actually have people knocked off, if you will, with his pals in New Jersey who are a couple thugs. And um, yeah, Victor gives everybody a run for their money. You really, um, you might like him a lot, but uh, at the beginning, but he's not, I wouldn't trust him if I were you. You meet him, <laughs> you meet him anywhere, don't, don't trust him. I don't think I trusted him even from the beginning. Full disclosure, I had a career in healthcare management, hospital management, before retiring a few years ago. I currently have no financial interest in any uh, healthcare institution, but I thought I should just make that, uh, make that known. Make um, your disclosure known, yes, good for yeah. you. Well, the, the trip to Cuba was really interesting. And you have you been to Cuba and how did you research that? I actually went to Cuba before um, the last, not this administration, but the last put the kibosh on it. Mm -hmm. But I was able to go on a cruise with some friends, my best friend and her wife and my husband. So we actually did get to go to Cuba. So when I was there, I was really taking pictures and looking and taking in. So some of the scenes in the book actually are accurate and reflect mm -hmm. some, some of our, our time in Cuba and Havana. And um, yeah, quite a country, quite a country, but well, yeah. And your, um, your whole, uh, your whole uh, writing of the subject of transplantation comes from your experience, right? It does. A lot of people who read my trilogy say that they feel like they got to sneak behind the curtain mm -hmm. because I do take you into worlds that I'm very familiar with. Um, and so that part, the transplant is completely accurate. And mm -hmm. I always make sure to send my beta readers uh, who read it to make sure that I got all the details correct. Most of the, many of the reviews have been more like it's a mystery with a mission and a side of humor because of the combination of the science but you know it's not bloody you know i don't you don't really need a lot of blood in my books um so it's not like people go oh, i don't like gore this isn't gore it's just a really good deep dive into small facets of the transplant world uh, from cut which is the first book can you buy your way to the top of a liver transplant list to match second book which is about kidney transplantation paired exchange in the opioid crisis and Full disclaimer on the second book, I killed a politician. Again, it's fiction and you can do it. And it was very cathartic, but just letting you know. And then the third book, Hold, which is about like the holy grail in transplant, which is if you could have somebody tolerate an organ without having to snow them with drugs, that would be like the piece de resistance. So that's the sense of the, the trilogy. Well, I loved, I loved it. And, and one thing I especially liked about it was what you were just talking about, that not only is there an interesting mystery and fascinating characters, but there's a lot to learn there. I mean, after my career in healthcare management, I still learn things about transplant by reading your book, because, of course, the health, healthcare institutions where I worked had transplant programs, but I wasn't directly involved. So there was a lot I didn't know. And it was really fascinating to read all that. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it because I'm really committed to very much accurately depicting that world because sometimes when you watch TV, you see mm -hmm. movies, it's not quite accurate. 
and I feel like, and, and just because it was my world for 35 years at least, that I feel like the one thing I know I can get right is that piece of it. And I feel mm -hmm. like that's just in honoring that world that, you know, never stops in 24 seven world that is still today. I think um, there's nine people added to the wait list um, every day. Every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 And so it's really it's, something. Yeah, it yeah, really there's, is. There's so, a lot of people that really don't get ever get transplanted. Mm -mm, they don't, and they die mm -hmm. on the wait list. So there's a little gravity to it, but I always offer people like on my website, they can sign up to be a donor because I have a link to the National Donor Registry and mm -hmm. those things. So it's a little bit of heavy with a little bit of mystery, with a little bit of silly, crazy girls, what are they thinking kind of um, combo platter. And that was fun because I could get the message out and tra of transplant, but weave it into a fun, I hope, fun, quick read. And I do, people say they love my books and they read, read them quickly. Like one lady said, oh, I loved your book. I read it in two nights. I said, great. <laughs> well, you'll just have to get busy and write some more. Um, well, they're like, I'm like, well, it took me a year to write it. Could you slow down? But it's a compliment, you know, that oh, yeah. people, I don't know if you read it quickly, but a lot of people zoom through it. So that's, I guess, a good sign. Well, um, so tell us about your writing process. How do you, for, well, first of all, you're a nurse. And yeah. so how did you ever get into writing? Did you write before you became a nurse or have you from childhood or did you start later in life or how did you become a writer? And then what is your writing process? Well, I became, I, I started, I did this uh, thing with the, called the Julia Cameron's Artist's Way. I don't know if you're oh, yeah. familiar with that. That's and the a list wonderful kept, book. I did it with some friends. And when they have you do like, write the top 10 things you want to do really quickly, I was, it, writing would come up. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not a writer in my head. <laughs> so I'm like, I kept coming up. So I thought, okay. So I went to community college uh, nearby while I was working, had kids, and I took a creative writing class which thankfully I had a great teacher, very encouraging. I didn't think I was a writer. I wasn't a good speller. I'm not a grammarian, you know. A lot I'm, of I'm, writers can't spell. That's, that's what editors I learned. Thanks for spell check, But um, anyway, so I took class and I over time wrote little short stories, but then I just, I got, I got bit by the writing bug. And so then I was in a novel class and then a mystery writing conference here. And, I'm in uh, Northern California in Marin County. So we have a beautiful independent bookstore, Book Passage. They have a oh, mystery yeah. writing conference every year. So I just thought, wow, this is, well, it's hard. And two, I didn't know if I could do it, but I thought, why wouldn't I try? And so that's how I started writing and have a, you know, a collection of little pieces. And then 2009, I wrote a memoir because I had a family reunion that did well. Um, and then I started working on the book, first book when I was working, which was pretty interesting because I was looking in my world of transplant differently now that I knew I was going to be writing about it because I thought, well, if you never knew anything and you stepped into like our selection meeting and where we decide who gets put on the list or you're in the transplant floor, how can I look at it with new eyes and describe it so that you as the newest person coming to the story could really feel that so I started looking at it differently when I took pictures and you know notes and so that's how I got into 
the writing process. And I've been in a writing group with three other women for almost 24 years now where we support each other. And oh, that's wonderful. You know, you know, just keep each other. When when the gremlins knock on the door and say, well, you can't write a book. What are you yeah. thinking? You're a nurse, right? Um, uh, we have, uh, I have a good friend and we go back and forth if we get like, ah, so the writing process for me um depends i'm an afternoon writer some people are like i'm up at five in the morning i write three hours no 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 i'm not i like a slow entry into my morning when i can get it and so i meditate and do a little yoga and you know kind of thought and do some morning pages it's another artist way thing mm -hmm. and then in the afternoon is when i find the sweet spot you know when i've got the day day the clutter away and what i needed to do and then I just have trained my husband. If I'm writing, the doors closed. I need to, you know, uh, have my time. And I make a big storyboard. So oh, I, th I'm a visual thinker. Uh -huh. So I, I pretend that there's going to be a movie, and I cut pictures out of who I think the characters are going to be. Oh, so that's wonderful. Jackie Larson would be uh, Melissa McCarthy if she played her, which you never know the future. And Sarah Silverman would be Sarah Golden. And then I have the pictures of Officer Handsome and, you know, Biker Bob. And so I look at the pictures just because it's fun. And if I want to describe, oh, his hair was pulled back that day or she had, you know, what kind of top or, you know, just visually. So that's part of my writing process. Well, that's wonderful. And I loved, I, I have to tell you, I loved Handsome. <laughs> I mean, what a better name for a, for a character than that, you know? Officer well, Millie, you know what? I was only going to have him in one scene in the first book. That was, you know, the plan, mm. the plan. <laughs> but he never left. He didn't leave for <laughs> book one. He didn't leave for book two. And, you know, so I had to give him a real name because his his cohorts, his fellow officers aren't going to call him Officer Handsome. Well, no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's quite a character. And researching this third book, you know, we'd been to Cuba years and years ago, but it was I wrote it during the pandemic. And um, there was this place called the Aquilina Resort and Spa. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was online looking at it because it was gorgeous and we couldn't really travel then. Nobody could. So I put that in the book and just this January last or actually end of December, early January, we were able to go to Miami and I got to go to the hotel for real, the real hotel, which is holy cow. And they gave us a tour and bought us lunch, but it was like manifesting like, a, you know, a dream because handsome and Sarah uh, do have a visit there, as you know, and it is quite lovely so oh, that sounds awesome how fantastic yeah it was so fun what was your biggest challenge and what was your biggest reward from writing these books all, all of them hold and the others uh, my biggest challenge was boy that's a great question millie um getting organized and letting go of um the you know the first perfect draft the first mm -hmm. like I have to get it right now you and i both been in healthcare, so it's very black and white and there's no wiggle room and there's no gray zone it is yeah. this this and this right. so that's how my mind has worked for 50 years and, and years in your world of administration so just getting out the first draft without fiddling with it and allowing my imagination to just go to town knowing that it's kind of like a piece of clay 
it'll get, you know, you're, you're honing it down and it's going to be, you know, at the end, it hopefully will be a sculpture or a piece of something, but honing down the story, but letting myself just first get that first awful draft out there. Some people call it the other word, but it's just, that's, I think, allowing myself and then realizing that I needed support to get the story crisp and learning about people like developmental editors, copy editors, all that. I was taking a deep dive into this writing world and learning as I went, but I had a great publisher and, and good support. So the hardest thing I really think it's, well, the hardest thing is getting your rear end in the chair. That's the hardest thing. Cause it's some days I'm like, well, I think I need to do an extra load of laundry today or not that I like to do laundry, but what, what I've done that's worked thankfully with some of my colleagues is we, we, we do these power hours. So we, basically commit, have an accountability partner. And we can, with Zoom, we log on, I'm working on this, turn the camera off, turn the mic off, and all of us would sit, work on our things at our own desks at home, and then go back on. So it was an appointment with someone else while I was in with three people. And then I was accountable to show up, even if I didn't feel like showing up. And I have to say the accountability partner uh, and the power hours really helped me you know, complete the project. And the first, and with Cut, the first book, that we were all out and about in the world. So it was just being, getting in my seat and, yeah. you know, getting getting it done. And Well, that's um, one of the things that's hard because a lot of people say, oh, I'd like to write a book someday. But actually sitting in the chair and doing it is a whole other matter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I think the cool part of writing is once you do get in the chair and I, you know, I would start writing all of a sudden it starts going, it's flowing. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes what's even cooler is that the characters take over mm -hmm. and they're doing things that I wouldn't, I don't think that's a good idea, Jackie, <laughs> but, her, but you know, she's not listening to me. So sometimes you have to like, just be the scribe as the writer. And you again, you can always go back and cut and, you know, jerry-rigger and stuff. You can always think, rewrite. <laughs> yeah, there's always a rewrite and then another rewrite and then another rewrite. But so just more and more. Uh, yes. Well, our time has really gone fast. So uh, I would like to wind up by asking you, what's next on your plate? Well, two things. Um, first of all, I've been doing a little bit of book tour with the third book and the audios are now out of all three books. So that's exciting. Wow. Um, I'm writing a romantic comedy and um, because it's a completely different genre and I'm actually excited about it. I've been working on it. I started it. Um, I started outlining it in 2020. And then once I finished the trilogy just last year, then I really started deep diving and letting myself have the fun of just writing it. So it's a, it's a romantic comedy it's set in Chicago. It's called Working Titles City Hall. And it's a coming of age of a 45-year-old woman who's wow. finding herself for the first time. Wow. And, ha and it has some fun adventures uh, in it. And then I'll be re-releasing my memoir. I'm going to be updating it and then uh, doing an audio and the memoir is called Aunt Mary's Guide um, to Raising Children the Old-Fashioned Way. That was from 2009. So those are two projects that um, are on the docket. Um, wonderful. Wonderful. And so um, just before we, uh, before we say goodbye, um, where can people find Hold? We want, we want people to go out and buy your books. So where can they find them? They can find it for, for the first place. I always say, 
go to your independent bookstore. They need your support. And I have a Absolutely. link on my website. If you don't know where it is, you press Indie Bound and put your zip code in and you can buy it at your independent bookstore. You can also order it online from my on my website, which is amysfield.com. A-M-Y-S is in Sam, P-E-E-L-E.com. And you can hit a link. And or if you if you're not one that Maybe your budget doesn't permit new books. You can go to the library has all the books and the libraries have audios. So depending on where you are, there's many places you can grab it. So I, um, well, great. I hope people will. And I wish we had more time because I feel like I could talk with you for hours about your books and writing and all kinds of things. But uh, we are going to have to uh, wind up for now. So I want to thank all of our viewers for uh, being with us today. Uh, I've, my name is Millie Naylor-Hast. I've been with Amy S. Peel, wonderful author, wonderful book, Hold. And if you haven't bought it already, please go out and buy it. And thank you for joining us today.